you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the California Underground Podcast. I am your host, Phil. And as always, is with me is my trusty co-host, the best and fastest researcher in the West. And tonight we have a very special guest, the Assemblyman from the 5th District, Joe Patterson. Or as he goes on Twitter, Patter Dude, which I kind of like Patter Dude as a handle for a politician. We're going to talk about your Twitter stuff in a bit. But Joe, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Oh, great. Living the dream, you know, stay in my life. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Do we, we lose me already? Yes, just, just for a second. Okay. Where did you guys lose me? Just an introduction. Oh, introduction. Yeah, I okay. just said it was the, the best day of my life. Yeah. Oh, excellent. All right. So anyway, starting from the top, this is the thing about live shows. Sometimes this happens. Not a big deal. As always, I'm your host, Phil, trusty co-host, special guest tonight, Joe Patterson, or as he goes on Twitter, Patter Dude, and we're going to talk about Twitter in a little bit. Joe, how are you doing tonight? Good. Best, uh, like I said, best day of my life. Just uh, my bunch of my kids are out at sports, and uh, any of them at any moment could bust in the room, you know, fully clothed, not clothed. I don't, I don't really know. That's how fine. How old I- are they? I've I've got a, a ten year old, eight year old, five year old, and two year old. The five and two year old are sleeping, but the ten and eight year old are, uh, you know, still up. All right, that, that's fine. I have a, a little dog, and she likes to bark at whatever passes by on a bicycle or rollerblades or a skateboard or whatever. So there's a chance she might kind of chime in. Uh, so Joe, <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know who you are, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? Um, how you got into politics and all that. Yeah, I'm, uh, well, I, uh, the fifth assembly district used to be largely represented by Kevin Kiley, uh, who's now in Congress. And, um, before this, I was on the Rockland city council, uh, which is in Placer County. And I didn't really intend to run for this seat, but it was always the very last maps, actually all the maps, all of the maps by the redistricting commission had me in the same seat as Josh Hoover. And uh, so I was never really thinking about running or anything. And then all of a sudden, the very last man separated out Folsom from the rest of the district. And, uh, you know, so then just one thing led to another. And here I am. But uh, yeah, you know, I had a small business and I was the mayor of Rockland and I used to work in the legislature, actually. Actually, I used to work for a legislator representing Orange County. Uh, at the time. So um, kind of understand the building a little bit, but uh, uh, I didn't really ever intend to get involved in elective office. And then I just, something in my town, I'd only lived in Rockland for two years and things were kind of shady out here in my opinion. And so uh, I did kind of this opposition to something as just ordinary Joe. And then the next year I ended up running for city council and here I am. One thing led to another. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been crazy. Eight months in the legislature, nine months, and it's been that place is crazy. It's crazy. 
So it's starting off real local and then making your way up to Sacramento. Um, what's the biggest difference between local and Sacramento? Uh, <laughs> how much time do we have? Uh, well, on the local level, people are normal. Uh, my city council members, it's like a volunteer job. Um, and, you know, you run in the competitive nature, you want to beat the other people. Uh, but really, you're trying to make your community better, at least in a place like Rockland. I can't say about, you know, in, in places like Orange County and LA, everything's uh, big and political and stuff like that. But I mean, in a suburb like Rockland, it's really just because you, you know, don't want your kids uh, walking through homeless people or something like that, which is why you run. And, um, but on the state level, it's, it's insane. I, I, I mean, I don't have enough time to talk. We don't have enough time to talk about this, but the one thing that is the craziest about when I was an in, when I was a intern and then a staffer in the legislature, there were 32 Republicans and 48 Democrats. Now there are 18 Republicans and 62 Democrats, but which is fine, whatever. I mean, I wish we had a lot more Republicans. But the thing that is very interesting, and I tell people this all the time, I mean, even when I'm talking to groups of Republicans, Democrats, you know, any other party, is that in the Capitol is not the same kind of Democrat that you see, you know, out in the wild. My mom is a Democrat. My mom was a Democrat. And a lot of my, I live in California. Most people I know are Democrat, you know, outside of Placer County. It is, that is not what we see in the Capitol. It is not, it is not the same thing. It is the extreme, the most extreme you possibly get. I'm not characterizing any individual legislator. I'm just saying as a collection of people, it is so extreme. And on the city level, it is not that way. I mean, we're really here to, you know, try to make your community better. I always wonder that. And I feel like I've asked uh, several people who work in Sacramento, several assembly members who've come on. Uh, sort of how like Democrats in California, like you're saying, like out in the wild, you can have coffee with them. You can talk to them. It seems rational. You can all kind of commiserate that the homeless has gotten out of control. Crime is out of control. But then you look at like the Twitter feeds of some people in Sacramento and you just wonder, like, what planet are you on? Um, like there's a couple that come to mind, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Alex Lee, who I still think lives in his mom's basement, is definitely one of them. Um, who I just look at and go, I, I don't know if you live in reality, man. Um, but there's a couple others. Scott Wiener's another one. That's one of our favorite legislature legislators up there in Sacramento. But yeah, is it that bad that it just seems like they're a, a caricature of Democrats and like Bay Area Democrats? Um, you know, it's interesting. I actually, on a one-on-one -on -one basis, I get along quite well with a lot of these Democrats. I mean, um, I'll just give you an example. Like Alex Lee, I probably don't agree with him on the majority. I mean, we are like two completely different people, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like I'm a, you know, 41 year old married man with four kids living in the suburbs, right? He lives in the Bay Area um, and just his policies are way different on a one on one basis. You know, I mean, he's not a bad guy. We have conversations. Things are kind of normal. Uh, and then it's just interesting. And I, I, you know, when I think about the Capitol, he is not the person that comes to mind of how crazy things are in Sacramento. He's just not one of those. I'm not saying that I agree with stuff that he does. I'm just saying he's not in the, you know, this is what crazy 
is going on here. He's mm-hmm. uh, he has a lot of different ideas. I think he kind of is more along the socialist uh, route of of uh, like, for example, he supports social housing. No. I don't support social housing. But if you actually talk to him about it, if you have a conversation with him about it, like, how do you support the government coming in and building housing? He's like, well, we do it for roads. Why wouldn't we do it for housing? And then you say, okay, I know. Okay, I see what you're saying. I see what where you're coming from. I don't philosophically agree with that, but I kind of get where he's coming from. So we have a in the Capitol, we have something called a members lounge. When you go chat with these people, <laughs> you know anybody, Republicans, Democrats, and uh, you you go out there and you're like, oh yeah, what's going on? Let's have our diet coke, whatever. And then you get out on the assembly floor and you're like, whoa, that was not the person I was just talking to. That is, mm. and they probably say that about me too. Honestly, I'm just that's kind of the environment that we're in. And I do think there is a lot of virtue signaling just generally. Uh, like you said, you go on Twitter feeds. I probably do it too. But you go on Twitter feeds and you're like, oh, this person's at this protest. This person's doing this or whatever. Well, what are you actually doing to you know, move this state along or solve some of these problems we actually have? I really don't care personally uh, if you know person's at a protest or picket line or something like that it might be important to their constituencies but i actually am much more concerned about crime and homelessness and water storage and all these other things so it's weird we don't really talk about those things i try mm. to but it's just weird that those never really come up you know i think those are our favorite subjects <laughs> well probably any one of those <laughs> subjects we can talk all day long on i mean it's uh it's, but we don't talk about them in the legislature. I and mean, we have 2,000 bills, over 2,000 bills. And I mean, we don't, some of them touch on homelessness, some of them touch on this. I mean, what are we doing to bring down utility rates or something like that? I mean, it's, it's not even, it's like we don't even talk about it. It's so crazy. And we don't get to set the agenda as Republicans. We don't get to set that agenda. I mean, we could push it, say we need to do this, we'll bring hostile amendments on the floor, but, you know, it gets shut down. I think it's going back to what Alex Lee said. It's kind of scary if he thinks, well, government builds roads, so they should build housing. Has he seen California roads? So I can only imagine <laughs> what California government housing would look like. Um, but in, in terms of those like topics that I think need to be discussed, um, what are some of the what's the number one issue you've been working on in the legislature right now? Well, the thing that I've had success with uh, is legislation around fentanyl. And I've had some success, and not surprising to you, because I know you follow this, uh, I haven't had some success on one of the components, but um, I'm the only Republican to get something out of the Assembly Public Safety Committee that deals with fentanyl. So we are making some progress in that. I just got a bill signed by the governor on that. I had a neighbor die of fentanyl poisoning when I was uh, on the Rockland City Council. And so it kind of, I didn't know anything about it until then. So I have four pieces of legislation, but the one piece we can't get out of the legislature, which you guys know this already, but has to do with accountability. I mean, the only bill to get out of the Assembly Public Safety Committee regarding fentanyl is you have to have enough doses to kill 500,000 people. Mm-hmm. 500,000 people, you have to have a kilo, you know? So um, it's it's just so obscene, that place. And uh, But so I had a piece to basically allow 
people to be charged with murder if they are know the risks. There, uh, Alexander's law. I may have heard about that, but if you know the risks, you continue to sell the drug anyways and traffic it. It's actually only after. Actually, under current law, you can be charged with murder. But it's if you've been uh, warned, you get arrested. My bill would say you have to warn them that they can be charged with murder after they're arrested. And if they do it a second time, then they can be charged with murder. So, uh, or make it clear they can be charged with murder. So that one died in committee on a party line vote. I mean, it was totally unsurprising, but uh, we're going to keep pushing it. So I've been working a lot on fentanyl. Um, we have uh, all sorts of issues on early release of inmates, sexually violent predators, um, you know, just public safety issues in general. I mean, uh, human trafficking, gun violence. Gun violence is another one. Anybody who says Republicans don't care about gun violence, don't follow what's happening in the legislature. We actually propose bills all the time mm -hmm. and they die in committee because it's not whatever the Democrats want to do. But I'll give you an example. The very right wing publication called the San Francisco Chronicle. You all know that about very right-wing publication. Very right-wing, yeah. Um, yes, exactly. They, I had a piece of legislation up that would make domestic violence, uh, violent fel felony domestic violence, a violent felony. That sounds weird, but right now, felony domestic violence is eligible for early release. But if it was actually a violent felony, it would not be eligible for early release and it would actually be a strikeable offense. These are the worst kinds of domestic violence. This is punching a woman in the face nonstop, dragging her behind her, you know, serious injuries outside of gunshot wounds. Gunshot wounds are, are violent felonies. But um, so I wanted to make felony domestic violence a violent felony. So the San Francisco Chronicle writes a piece saying, hey, Democrats should support this piece of legislation because two-thirds of all mass shooters have a background in domestic violence. And... Uh, so the Chronicle pick was the one that picked up and they said, hey, look, this is a way to stop mass shootings in California. In fact, we had a case in Sacramento where a guy was released early from um, prison after just beating up his uh, his partner really bad, dragging her out by her hair, punching her in the face, in the car, um, really bad situation. So he got sentenced to 10 years, got out in five years. And within three months, when killed six people in a mass shooting in downtown Sacramento. And so I use this as an example of, hey, if this guy was in prison, these six people would still be alive. And they said, well, how do you know he wouldn't have done it in 10 years? Well, I don't know. I mean, I can't predict the future, but I know these six people would still be alive right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, so even the San Francisco Chronicle was like, this is a reasonable bill, you know, but Democrats still killed it. So, uh, so. I would say public safety, fentanyl. Um, we also have some parental rights legislation, um, a, a lot of things like that. I'm, I'm pretty big into parental rights is, is a major issue for me. Do you know off the top of your head, California fentanyl death rates per day, per month, per year, anything? Uh, it's 110 people a week. Okay. Uh, but I will tell you this. More people die of fentanyl than gun violence. I mean, this they don't want to talk about the actual issues in California. Mm. They don't want to talk about that because it's not politically expedient. I mean, everybody thinks 
And look, gun violence is a serious issue, but they only want their solutions, by the way, which is take guns away from people. By the way, CCW holders don't commit murders in California. It just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. But they want to make it more difficult for people to have a... They only want their solutions. They don't want these other solutions. But more people are dying of fentanyl than are dying of, of gun violence. I just, I hate to keep going back to COVID, but I think about all those commercials about how you killed grandma because you left your house. You weren't essential. You, you know, we're going to crack down on stay in your home and don't go out and curfews, but we're not going to do anything about fentanyl that is killing children. You know, uh, it's, you know, I have four kids and to see fentanyl started spiking during the shutdowns and it's not going down by the way, but during the pandemic and during school shutdowns and all these issues, mental health issues were spiking and it all started around then. It really started spiking. And it's, it's a sad thing to say. But again, they don't want to talk about that because then they have to actually accept, hey, maybe we did the wrong thing. Right? Right. Is I also have four kids. Is fentanyl an issue uh, be that you might have to work with the federal government on because of if it's coming across the border? Um, look, <laughs> All, a lot of the issues I'm getting out of the legislature, I think, will help prevent people from dying of fentanyl because they know about it or there's our treatment. There's treatment out there, um, but at the end of the day, if this if this stuff doesn't stop, I mean, the DEA, Joe Biden's DEA says this stuff is coming in from Mexico, from China, right? So it's not like it's some you know, vast right-wing conspiracy that we say that, like it, they even say that. But yeah, we have to secure the border. But every day I was just on Twitter yesterday and I saw some congressmen from Texas talk about how cruel Texas's border policy is, you know? It's like, man, maybe they don't want lethal drugs coming into our country, you know? So it's just crazy. I mean, yes, he has to do something about the border. I mean, the border is insane. It's crazy. Why do you, I mean, maybe this is a bigger philosophical question, but why do you think Democrats just don't uh, want to tackle these bills and these issues? I mean, you have the San Francisco Chronicle, like you said, very right wing, obviously pro-Trump, MAGA supporting uh, newspaper, if you, anybody knows it out there. Why are why are Democrats not even taking cues from the San Francisco Chronicle? I mean, like. Maybe we should start supporting this stuff and maybe our voters would like us to get a little bit tougher on crime. I mean, how many videos do I have to see on Instagram of Louis Vuitton being robbed or what was the new one in Glendale that just got robbed a very fancy place? But it's just constant videos of like crime and public safety issues. Why are they just not interested in tackling it? Uh I, there are philosophical differences on prison. I mean, California just changed it. Well, there's legislation right now to change the definition of prison from being, you know, place where you pay for your crimes to um, a place where you are um, rehabilitated. They're, they're literally changing the definition of what a prison is supposed to do. And I get that. Look, 90 some odd percent of people will eventually get out of prison. Mm -hmm. So you have to be re you have to rehabilitate people that are in prison. But just yesterday, 
This just happened yesterday. A guy who raped a 14-year-old girl in my county, a 14-year-old girl, and before that had molested another child. So two disgusting convictions, which people can argue you should get more than maybe a lengthy prison sentence for doing stuff like that. Um, he got sentenced to, uh, I think, 32 years. And so now he's up after 16 years. This guy's eligible for early release, you know? And so how is it? it so I just don't think the public understands. This gets a Proposition 57, by the way. I just don't think the public understands. And it's not their fault, but I mean, it's the way things are characterized that we're just trying to put people in prison. You are damn right. I have no problem with a guy who raped and molested children spending the rest of their lives in prison forever. That is absolute. They are not, they should not be eligible for release, but I look, I'm, we're not talking about locking up somebody who, you know, is using drugs or whatever and really needs help. We're talking about, can we just keep people in prison who are, you know, like, I don't know, child rapists. It seems pretty reasonable. Yeah. I have zero tolerance for that. And I, I mean, I, I guess, especially as parents, I'm sure we, we both, you know, it's a little more, you look at your own child and you're like thinking that could be my kid. And I won't, I, won't, I don't want to get anyone in trouble here. So I won't say what I would do if that person was released from prison, but that's, you know, it's just someone hurt my kid. No. Yeah. Well, Keep you me. don't, you don't have to say what you would do uh, if somebody hurt your kid like that, but you can say that maybe we should expand the list of capital punishment crimes uh, for people that uh, rape and molest children. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, my wife has a pretty radical punishment, but I, I we don't want to get kicked <laughs> off YouTube. So um, <laughs> after after we could talk about it. Um, yeah. So uh, as you talked about public safety committee and one of the biggest controversies involving minors was SB 14, um, which caused a, a national uh, hubbub over wh what happened. And we had asked Josh Hoover for his kind of take on it. But why don't you give us your take on what it was going on, what your view was during that whole uh, kind of fiasco, what was going on? Sure. Well, that uh, legislation that I was talking about on gun violence that the Chronicle uh, you know, that very extreme MAGA paper endorsed. Mm -hmm. um, it also, it actually included uh, making violent crimes for three different types of crimes. One was all sexual assaults. One was uh, domestic violence. And the third one was human trafficking, child human trafficking for the purposes of, of sex. Mm -hmm. And um, so they already killed that bill. But I didn't make a lot of noise about the human trafficking component because I, Shannon Grove has really been a leader in this, and I didn't want to sort of take her spotlight, so I didn't work that angle uh, at the time. But this is actually this was actually the second time that Democrats killed it um, initially, and it took Governor Newsom. I mean, Governor Newsom, I disagree with all the time, but he's no dummy. Mm -hmm. He's no dummy. He knows the public thinks it's absolutely ridiculous that human trafficking of children is not a serious crime. So, uh, and if it wasn't for 
you know, the pressure that Republicans were putting on because papers started saying, like, what is this all about? You know, the media, what is this all about? Like I said, national media. How is this not a serious felony? You could traffic children for devious purposes and get out in half your sentence and uh, because of Proposition 57. So, but you know what's crazy about SB 14 also is it's, it's not the first time you do it. It's not the first time. So it's actually the second time you've done it. So, so this is a person with a consistent track record of trafficking children and Democrats couldn't even go for that. So uh, it was only because of public pressure. And I think obviously that caused the governor to do it. I mean, the governor reads the paper. The governor is very influenced by what shows up in the media. Mm -hmm. And uh, there have been other issues that I've worked on where it's been a similar type of response. But, um, but, you know, when the governor comes out, who, you know, obviously is not a Republican, and he says, like, yeah, I think this should... (laughs) you know, be a problem. But this is how extreme this place is. I go, I go to speak at events on a daily basis. And I don't know if these people are Republicans or Democrats. And I talk, I say, Hey, guys, this is how extreme Sacramento is. I use this as the example to show how extreme Sacramento is. They could not even classify this as a serious felony. And uh, when I say that, I'm actually surprised the people in the audience who don't know that who do not know that. So I think it's up to us up to you, up to us to educate people that this is how extreme Sacramento is. And I think that's the only way Republicans pick up seats, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that... baffling to me. I mean, sorry. No, go ahead, Camille. I just know that the second offense, it should be the first offense, but they're, they were bothered by the second. But what did they want? Third, fourth, fifth, nothing, obviously. The... The chair of that committee just philosophically does not believe in incarceration. He does not believe in it. I mean, he, I think. Who is this? (laughs) You can name him. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. I don't really like to use their names, but it's uh, Reggie Jones Sawyer. And, you know, he says it in committee. He says it in the nicest way possible, but he has a different worldview. I think it's fine to. To look at, hey, look, he he has a different worldview. He represents L.A. And he's got a different worldview on, look, prisons used to be overcrowded. And people used to be sent to prisons for things that are, you know, you shouldn't go to prison for that long a period. I mean, look, I don't want a person going to prison for 20 years because they're selling pot. I'm not condoning selling pot. I'm just saying there's probably other things we can do than drop 70 grand a year incarcerating this person. So, um, so I get that perspective and I've been to a lot of prisons. I went to prisons when there was overcrowding and people were sleeping in gyms and three high bunks. And so I under, in a way I get that perspective, but the solution isn't to just release people and the solution isn't to, um, just let, you know, these people who are trafficking children, just let them, you know, go free. It's crazy. It's, it's just, I, I actually met, this is what makes me so mad. I was there, I went to the hearing did the press conference thing. This lady comes up to me. She said, Hey, I'm so-and-so I'm actually a constituent of yours. And I was like, Hey, you know, so nice to meet you. Uh, she was trafficked. It not in my district, but she, she lives in my district now. She's, she's, I don't know if she's maybe thirties or forties or something, but she was trafficked. And so she showed up at the hearing to testify in support of this bill, a Senator from LA County, 
had tweeted, not about her, but said Shannon Grove and um, who else? Oh, Heath Flora, my colleague Heath Flora, are using human trafficking victims as pawns to push, you know, right wing extreme stuff. I can't, I, I can't, that, that's a paraphrase. It's not exactly what it said. But how dare you tell me that this lady who I had just met, if you were to ask her, she said, oh, no, I came down to the Capitol. This is really important to me. This is really important to me because this happened to me and these people need to spend a lot of time in prison. So how dare them even say that we're using victims as pawns? Give me a break. It's just so disgusting. Uh, I, I, I mean, somebody from L.A. County uh, probably should worry about what's going on at home anyway in that area because right. it's just right. Uh, but I mean, I guess the philosophy lines up with what's going on in LA County because LA County is an absolute war zone. Um, I wanted, I to was literally there a week ago. I was Sorry. I keep interrupting you. I was texting Phil as I'm driving into LA. I'm in Orange County. I was driving in LA and I'm like, I cannot stand coming here. <laughs> I, I it's have so bad. I, nothing against the people. I, I just can't stand LA. I'm, I'm down in San Diego and, San Diego and LA were just two completely different worlds. And I feel like Orange County is like a, a close brethren to us. Like we kind of get along Orange County and San Diego. And then we both look at LA and we're like, <laughs> Ugh, LA. We, we were talking about last week, how when you're driving up the five, you know, you've crossed over into LA County when you go from like these, this big, beautiful, well-maintained highway with lots of lanes and it's all nice. And then all of a sudden you cross in and then it goes from, like five lanes to two lanes and it's all under construction. And it's just run down warehouses and you go up. Oh, we're in LA County. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny, I, funny you say that because I actually went down to San Diego probably like six or seven months ago or something. I was driving through and it's Oh, orange County. Oh, LA. Oh, San Diego. You know, it's just so clear. It's so obvious. The differences. It's crazy. I, uh, when I exited the freeway, I kid you not. Like the two lanes, you know, to exit the middle line, there was a person sitting in a chair on the middle line of the freeway exit. And luckily there's traffic. And so people are slower anyway, but should it be a less trafficy moment and someone exits quickly, that man could be killed instantly. And it, this is LA and that's not okay. That like, I was so devastated. I almost cried. Like, I was just like, this is, that's just one person of how many hundreds, thousands in LA that like, they need help. Mm -hmm. And well, I, I don't know. I, we're not doing anything for the homeless or mental health. I mean, I know there's some people are slowly chipping away here and there, but it's a big, big issue. Yeah. Um, you had brought up a, uh, Twitter spat and I tell people that you're a really good Twitter follower um, or a good Twitter follow. Um, you, you tweeted a couple days ago that I got a chuckle out of, if you don't mind me reading it. Is that okay? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's already out there on the public anyway in Twitter. So, <laughs> or X, whatever you want to call it, Xing, X, whatever you do. Uh, it's Sacramento airport is building a quote, stunning $140 million pedestrian walkway to go from concourse to terminal. At some point, folks need to think about how to use tax dollars appropriately. 
No one goes to airports to enjoy stunning walkways. In fact, people want to get out ASAP. And then you retweet under it. The existing but not open walkway must not be stunning enough. Um, the reason I love that, and also you kind of called out yourself for the typo, but that's fine. We read it the correct way. Uh, the reason I love that is because I think on Twitter you have such an honest voice. And it, it's kind of refreshing to hear a politician just speak honestly, like what's on your mind, not hold back, put some sarcasm into it, make it funny, make it relatable. Um, has that just always been you on Twitter? And when you became assemblyman, did you just decide I'm going to continue being honest and stuff like that? Um, what's your kind of uh, strategy with that voice on Twitter? Yeah, I mean, Twitter is... I just get, I don't, I don't have enough capacity in my life to be, you know, fake or think about every consequence of everything I say when I open my mouth. And when I ran, before I ran for office, I was kind of like that anyways. I kind of said, people, I mean, honestly, it's, I get it. It's not everybody's cup of tea. I mean, people want me to be more refined or not so offensive or whatever, but I mean, just just stop. I think people want to hear. I think the people reason why people like Donald Trump is, and not that I'm trying to be like Donald Trump. I'm just saying the reason why he appeals to people is because he says whatever whatever he wants to come out of his mouth, he's going to say it. Right now, look, I don't. <laughs> sometimes I think he makes some missteps there, but I make missteps too, you know, and. I think that that's fine. That kind of like comes with the program, you know, but uh, I just think Twitter is an amazing tool. I get quoted all the time in papers and, and using news sources because uh, I think it's an amazing tool. Look, my constituents may or may not. I know the Placer County Democratic Party just probably screenshots every tweet I do and just waiting for something someday. But um, But I think it's an amazing tool to communicate with the public about uh, especially the press and the capital community about what you're thinking and it has gotten me some help i'm telling you every every lobbyist or every legislator i talk to talks about twitter and there was actually a hearing probably about six months ago that i thought was a complete fraud i mean they didn't have it was a joint committee and it didn't have any perspectives on the public safety side of things and so i just started kind of tweeting crazy about it like this is so disgusting i can't believe you know i'm not even going to show up tomorrow and the chair of the committee actually called me and he said hey hey man i'm sorry this is kind of what's going on i will call so and so to be there and so they did you know they actually called whoever to be there so i have to be careful in a way because i do know that people are watching it so i don't want to be overly cavalier and but uh but there are some things, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an example of something that's coming up. Republican women staff members make fractionally what Democratic staff members make. Males. Males. So if you're a, so Democrats like to tell you equity, equity, equity. Well, you're paying your staff a lot more. And I'm, I can't wait till these numbers come out. I'm waiting for the – I know when they're going to come out. But – but, you know, so I, I tweeted something about that. I tweeted about how this Republican women make less than their male Democratic counterparts. 
And I got a call from somebody. I won't say who, but I got a call from somebody disappointed that I had tweeted that out there. You know, like, hey, can we have a meeting about this? It's like, no, how about fix the problem? How about fix it? You know, so I'm sorry that it offends you, but it, it is what it is, you know? Well, I think it's just very refreshing. Um, and I, I think uh, when it comes to California Republicans, it, it, it almost is a good idea to just kind of be honest and be brash because playing the same like political game as everyone expects you to to have the really well manicured talking points and all that stuff that just kind of like washes over people it's it hasn't worked and i think the california republican party is slowly becoming more and more of a minority party and losing and losing people that at a certain point you gotta go well something's not working here we gotta get we, we gotta try something different so i think it's just very refreshing um to see someone just have an honest voice that you can say, this is a real person. And I actually agree with what they're saying. Um, so I appreciate that. Well, well, I, I appreciate that a lot. I will say um, I did think about, you know, when I was in, I actually have not talked about this, but it's just between us. So I think we're good. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I always wondered when I was on the campaign, like some some crazy picture from college is going to come out or something, you know. Um, and then I started thinking, like, what's the worst? I mean, you know, me having a drink at a bar or something. I mean, good Lord, if somebody came to me like, oh, my gosh, I got this picture of you, you know, you're drinking, you know, whiskey at a bar or something. I'd be like, OK, guys, sorry, I went to college, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah, I'm not a perfect guy. I had some drinks in college, like 99.9% .9 of people, but now I'm a grown adult with four kids and a wife and I got a job and, you know, you don't want to vote for me because, you know, I did what everybody else did. I guess it is what it is. That's, I don't think people are like that. I don't think society's gotten to the point to where they want to elect these pristine people with no, um, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't inhale. I mean, how much... Goodness, how much, how much uh, pain did Bill Clinton go through to tell people he didn't inhale? Mm -hmm. I mean, good lord, like just, just, just stop it yeah, already. Just shed the pretenses. Um, hey, that's not the only thing he didn't do, though. True, <laughs> that's a whole different conversation, not yeah. related to California. Um, yeah. We, we, so we had James Gallagher on last week and we were talking about how uh, California Republicans in Sacramento now are doing a better job of kind of like framing the argument and coming out with your own policies and solutions um, before, as opposed to being reactionary to a lot of Democrat policies. Because when you are reactionary, you're not getting your word out. But if you create the policy and you put it out there and make the Democrats argue against it, like a lot of these public safety bills, there's a lot of chance for sort of electoral momentum. Um, is that something that you're working on is trying to get that, uh, I guess the California promise was what you guys are calling it, getting those solutions out there. Yeah. I'm a um, big supporter of James. Uh, he actually went to high school with my wife. So, um, you know, I, I didn't town. know him back in the day, but yeah, it's uh it was a small town where he went to high school, a small town. But uh, so everybody kind of knew each other. But 
he's just genuinely a good person, but he's also very thoughtful in the sense of we've been hearing forever. Republicans just can't be the party of no. So he, he became leader, got through elections, and then he he put together our policy shop and everything and said, hey, let's put together – let's go on the offense. The problem is is a lot of these bills don't really see the light of day. I mean if it's not sort of a popular topic on – something, then people won't even know that we're proposing it. But I do have on a regular basis, I will have um, a, a Democrat in my county who's who doesn't like me say, well, what are you doing about homelessness? What are you doing? Well, actually, go to California Promise. We have an entire package of bills that we rolled out. But by the way, the chairs of your committees, your party, wouldn't even give us hearings on the bill. I mean... It's like a dictatorship over there. So they're kind of smart in a way where they, where they, they just shut us down. So we can't even can't even talk about the issue at all. And uh, so our message doesn't get out there. But we do have solutions on homelessness, on gun violence, on uh, crime, uh, all of these things. And I think it's really smart that we keep doing that. And we we shove it in the faces. By the way, we have press conferences on it. Fentanyl. We've had press conferences. Um, gun violence, we've had press conferences, uh, all of these things we've done. And I think uh, James has been doing a really good job. I mean, I've like, I actually used to work for a Republican leader from San Diego County, actually. Um, I used to work for a Republican leader and he was a great guy, great man, very honorable. Um, so I have seen a lot of Republican leaders. I was a staff person when Kevin McCarthy was the Republican leader in the assembly, actually. James Gallagher is, he's got, he, he's, he's, he's very special. I mean, he's, he's got it. He knows what we need to do to pick up votes, but with the way redistricting works and, and all that stuff, I mean, it's, it is hard out there, but I do think if I were to tell Californians something, it would be in my view, California Republican assembly, our assembly members, the people that we're recruiting, the people that we're putting out there, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you will definitely identify with the policies that we're putting forward more than you will identify with the Democratic policies. There might be some issues, like for example, I'm pro-life. So maybe you don't agree with me on those issues, but I'm not in there. I'm, I'm actually not in there trying to ban abortion right now. I'm actually trying to get out there and say, hey, there are other options out there. You know, uh, with these uh, pregnancy centers, there are other options out there. There are other services. So I'm trying to sort of push issues like that. So, look, we might not agree on on that issue, but I want to hear where you're at. Let's come with a solution. But Democrats are just like, hey, we're, we're not going to solve homelessness. We're just going to throw 20 billion at it. Oh, retail theft. No big deal. Like, we don't want to send people to prison if they're doing that. That's no big deal. It's like. They're not solving the issues. It's so extreme. And people can read more about the, the California. Isn't there a website for the California Promise? Yeah, I think it's called CaliforniaPromise.com or something. You can probably I'll double check it. I'm not exactly sure uh, what it is. Now. Camille, if you want to ask your question that I so rudely cut well, you off. I was going to say. On the, no, no, I cut you off. On the pro-life issue, you know, with, like you said, you're not out there trying to ban abortion, but you're trying to acknowledge that there's these crisis centers that, you know, there are options available. Meanwhile, we've literally got this California 
website where they're like report the crisis pregnancy centers you know they're liars mm. we need to get them shut down and it's, that's absolutely horrific to me meanwhile whether you're pro-life or not we're throwing so much taxpayer money at abortion because women feel like they don't have an option it's like let them know that there is an option let's you know we could actually save some of the funds and allocate them elsewhere if if we're like allowing these women to go to these, not that we're not allowing them, but you know, we're trying to shut them down. We're trying to make them unknown. We're trying to say abortion is the only answer here. And, and women believe that they do. Like I'm constantly surprised at even friends that I grew up with in California, who a lot of them voted Democrat for years. And then one day found out what abortion really was. And they were like, wait, I'm against that. And I'm like, how, how did you not know? And I don't mean that any, condescendingly it's just amazing to me what people don't understand what they don't know and so they go along with it because they think it's no big deal and then one day they actually figure out they learn what it is and they're like hold on hold on and i have had so many friends females who are like wait i don't believe in that and they, and they've switched parties over it yeah i'm i'm a big believer that i don't necessarily think um i don't think the best way to uh protect uh, the unborn is necessarily a law. You actually have to give people knowledge that there are other things out there that you can do. For example, I'm a huge, huge supporter of safe surrender. Um, if you are unable to care for your child, we have to allow you to do what's best for the child. And so a fire department, it, you know, you can safely surrender a child that you can't care for at a fire department. And I, look, that's not the best solution for everybody, but I think we have to acknowledge that that we have to do what's best for the children. And then also on these pregnancy centers, the thing that drives me nuts, again, I'm not, you know, I haven't, I just think it's so hypocritical to be out there and say, hey, uh, abortion, abortion is it, abortion is it. There are other services out there. The, uh, one of the pregnancy centers around my district uh, during the pandemic, Planned Parenthood was shut down, shut down. So there were no ultrasounds when women would want to get an ultrasound to confirm a pregnancy or whatever. They saw something like 400 women that went into Planned Parenthood thinking about possible abortion. And like three quarters of them ended up getting their ultrasounds at a pregnancy center and choosing to have the baby. And by the way, the pregnancy center will provide services. And I think we get so wrapped up because Elizabeth Warren in Massachusetts is talking about what pregnancy centers do nationwide or whatever. In California, the one in my district and, and in other areas that I'm familiar with, they are licensed health clinics. They are not lying to you. It is unlawful for them to lie to you. If you go to their website right now, they say, we don't perform abortions. But yes, they philosophically believe that life is a good thing. Why would we not, why would we try to stop that option? You're telling me Planned Parenthood is the only option out there for people? It's crazy. And by the way, now you're getting me going on something. Now you're getting me going. I sit on the privacy committee. I'm the vice chair of the privacy committee. And they, it, we mostly deal with tech issues, which are super important. But the, Planned Parenthood sponsors legislation all the time on privacy of people having abortions. And I'll tell you something, I'm philosophically supportive of that. If I don't think the government or anybody else 
should ever know that you should never force somebody to say whatever you did on an album basis or not. And, and that includes, by the way, is I don't support abortion, but if you have an abortion, like it is not the government's business and it's not my business. So they, but they bring forward legislation. I remember there was this one that said um, that they would basically withhold the companies that knew that you were having an abortion because they track where you're going or whatever that they couldn't disclose it to anybody else, like your law enforcement from other states. I wasn't, the the issue wasn't so much the bill. The problem was that it's already current law in California. They can't do that. It's already current law, but they sponsored this bill because it's a grift, because they want to be able to raise money and say, hey, we sponsored this bill. We're doing these things to help your privacy and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's already covered under the law, but it's a total grift. It's a scam. And I just, you know, the lies that they tell, we had a, in health committee, they called pregnancy centers, fake health clinics, fake doctors. And I just, I just lost my mind on them. It's on video. It's on YouTube. It's on my YouTube where I'm saying, how dare you call licensed doctors fake and licensed medical clinics fake. And I'm just, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of their lies. Thank you for uh, listening to my rant. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no problem. Um, I'm with you on it. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, I was always, um, I was always kind of the libertarian viewpoint of like, uh, you know, I, I was like, whatever, it's your choice. It's freedom. We can do whatever we want. Um, but ever since I got married, um, my wife and I are trying to have kids and I think we've realized that life is a precious thing to have it's not, it's not just an, a given. So, um, when people are so callous about it, um, it gets me upset. It gets me kind of riled up as well. So, um, I understand the passion that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I yeah. want to end on a little bit more of a lighter note. Um, what's your prediction for the Newsom DeSantis debate? Who do you think is going to come out on top? Uh, well, uh, hmm. I do think uh, somebody asked me one time, do you think Gavin Newsom has redeeming qualities? And by the way, not he, he, I don't disagree with everything he does. I mean, I pay attention to what he does. And like, for example, thank God he came out behind that sex trafficking bill, right? I mean... So he does make the right decisions in some case, but he, what his big thing is, he is no dummy. He is smart. He, he knows what's up. Um, And so, but then again, Ron DeSantis, I mean, the guy, where'd he go? Like Harvard and Yale or something. I mean, and then he was in the military, by the way, he served our country. I think he was in the Jag Corps or something. This guy's, yeah, he's, he's no slouch. I mean, so I think uh, if I were to guess, I think Gavin Newsom is really good at sort of numbers and facts and remembering them and being able to go off the cuff. I think if he can always focus on that, he's going to do really good. But I think Ron DeSantis is – I'm totally biased. By the way, I'm obviously biased. But I think he's going to be able to hold his own, and I think people are underestimating him. I think he's going to know facts. He's going to be able to say what California did wrong during the pandemic. You know, he's going to be able to talk about how their education system is 
is is doing better than ours out here unfortunately i wish ours was doing better but i think i don't know if there's going to be a winner out of it but i am so excited i will pay for it put it on pay-per-view and i will pay for it and give all the money to charity i can't believe they actually decided they're they're going to do it i mean newsom's sort of been calling DeSantis out for a while now so um my theory is to and i don't want to get too far into presidential politics Here's my theory of why they're doing this and why they both agreed. It's not because they just said this is good for our national political debate for us to go at it. Uh, I think they're both benefiting from this. They both saw an opportunity. Um, You're around politicians all the time. I'm sure you understand politicians are always looking for an angle. Um, I think they both have an angle. I think Newsom obviously is floating himself as a national figure to run for president. If he does really well against DeSantis, everyone will be like, oh my gosh, why is this guy not running? He should be running over Joe Biden. Um, And I think DeSantis needs to do it because he kind of needs to inject a little life in his campaign right now. I think he's, he didn't have the big kind of heavyweight knockout that we were all expecting against Trump. So I think it's it's mostly just for their own political benefit. Although it's going to be fun. I mean, it's just fun to see two big national figures go at it in a in a, a debate, even though they're not. Educating. We're hoping to do a watch party here. Just a little plug. Yes, we'll be. Oh, great! Well, I'm. We'll be doing a watch party with a drinking game. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll just bring my water because I just drink water these days, right? That's fine. So, um, but. Yeah, I think uh, Ron DeSantis, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can use the, it's it's higher risk for him. I think Gavin Newsom is, uh, I mean, the uptick is obviously higher for him, but Gavin Newsom, if you talk to Democrats in other states, I mean, I don't know why, but I think they love the guy. Um, they're kind of enamored. He does have that sort of presence around there. Uh, but I think if Ron DeSantis can put some life into the campaign, some more life and show that he can hold his own against, uh, against, against him, it's going to be really great. Really great. So, yeah, it's, it's once we saw the date, we were like, okay, we're definitely doing a live stream to, to watch it. So anybody who's listening right now, wait, have they, nailed, it was November 8th or 10th. Have they nailed that specifically down? Not yet. I don't know. Aren't they fighting over something now? I, I thought I saw something the other day that somebody's trying to change the terms or something like that. Oh, man, I'll be so, so disappointed if they back out because of some petty thing about like they just can't get over it or resolve it. But um, we're coming up on the end of an hour. It's already flown by so fast. Uh, is there any final message you want to leave with the listeners? And then also where can people go find you? Uh, obviously patter dude on Twitter or X, whatever people are calling it now. I highly suggest you follow Joe on Twitter. It's entertaining. He's got great takes like we were talking about. Uh, but yeah, what are some final thoughts and where people can come find you and support you and, and just know more about you? Well, I think it's really important that Republicans look, I've been in sort of party politics for a while. I've been, I used to be a delegate for the party. Uh, well, I still am technically, but, um, you know, we're going to have our fights. We got to have our fights, whether you're with Trump, whether you're with DeSantis, whether you like this issue, whether you're pro-choice, pro-life, whatever it is. But we have to come together because 
what's going on right now with the other side, the extremism in Sacramento is not coming from, not coming from Republicans. It's not coming from Republicans. And so I think people got to stick with the program. And, uh, you know, I think if you have an idea or you have issues that you think Republicans should be pushing, I mean, hit up your legislators, hit me up, tag me on Twitter, whatever, you know, Um, we can take those things, but do not abandon the party. If you're disappointed with it, stay with it, you know? And, um, and I think that that's, that's really important. I'm actually going to be doing outreach to people who left the party in my district. Why not? Look, Hey, this is what we're about. This is what we're trying to do. These are some of the things that we're seeing. So I think, uh, we got a lot of promise, a lot of things going on, but we can't allow California Democrats have this super duper majority and just run us over and all these ideas don't get the light of day. Agreed. Number one priority, chip away at the super majority. That's got to be step one. Um, as opposed to what people think, they always think like California's going to flip red in one election cycle. Not going to happen. But you can you can chip away. The super majority makes a big difference. Um, all right. So Patter Dude on Twitter, anywhere else people find can find you or support you or just know learn more about you. Same on Instagram, Patter Dude. And uh, someday I can give the story about why it's Patter Dude. I get made fun of all the Did time, by the way, at Patter Dude. There we go. Oh, can yep, you hear me? I got you back. Oh, okay. Sorry about no that. No problem. Anyways, it's Patter Dude on Instagram too, but I would love the follows on Twitter and let's. Uh, Let's keep kicking butt, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. So, Patter Dude on Twitter. Um, Joe, thanks for coming on. Uh, as always, the door is open if you want to come back on. And we talked about before the show that there's plenty of things we could talk about. It could probably go on for hours and hours. So, in that case, I take that as an implicit. You want to come back and be on the show again, so the door is open whenever you want to come back on. Um, and to anyone listening to the show, best way you can support this show Share it with someone, message them, throw it up on Twitter slash X or whatever you want to call it. Um, and yeah, make sure you like, share, subscribe, all of that stuff for this video. Comment afterwards for the algorithm. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Night, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 